everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. Part of our heart behind the, this Midweek Gathering really is breaking out of, uh, man, freedom and worship. And so there's, there's songs here that we sing. Um, there's a mood that's a little more serious. Um, man, because we're going all in with it. And so our prayer for you all, as you continue to, to worship with us, as you continue um, to come on Wednesday nights, our prayer is that you experience freedom in worship. And that there's a ministering not only to you, but also to the Lord that happens in this place on Wednesday nights. So, at the beginning of the year, um, I've been going, uh, at the beginning of the year, the first message uh, of the Midway Gathering kind of set us on this pace and this journey through the story of Elijah, the prophet. And it's found in 1 Kings, and uh, first and 2 Kings, but... Uh, I preached on him at Mount Carmel uh, going head-to-head with the 450 prophets of Baal and uh, him calling out to the people of Israel and saying, you got to choose. No more worshiping two gods. If he is God, then worship him alone. He throws down the gauntlet, puts his life on the line, calls out the prophets. Jezebel had been pursuing him. I mean, they, they... He was on the radar. There had been a drought for three years. All this stuff had happened because of Elijah, and and he was really mixing mixing it up. And and it came to this this head-to-head match between him and these these false prophets of Baal, and God was glorified in that moment. And he came down with fire, and he consumed the water, and burnt the altar, and and, and consumed everything. And... uh, it was beautiful. And so uh, we started there, and then we backtracked to ver- chapter 17, and we've been working through it. Now we're going to jump past Mount Carmel at the very end of that. We're going to catch up um, with Elijah uh, at the end of that story. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to jump in on verse 40. And this is the part, uh, this, is, this is beautiful and gentle. Then Elijah said, seize the prophets of Baal, do not, let them, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the hook of Kishon and slew them there. So Elijah starts today by killing 450 prophets of Baal. All right, so uh, he goes in hard, he takes them all out, uh, God is glorified, they were running, he chases them down, takes care of that which is blaspheming God. And, uh, and word gets back. So, uh, he starts there in verse 40. It says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is, a sound of, uh, for there is the sound of, of the roar of a heavy shower. So, Elijah 
three years prior, three and a half years prior, had said to King Ahab, who had really um, done more uh, to irritate and, um, and to, um, oh, I'm actually going to just say the exact words, let it do that, uh, to provoke the Lord God of Israel. Uh, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him, right? So uh, Elijah had said, there will not be any rain until I say, not even dew on a blade of grass. He escapes, he's hidden, he's, he's going around, and time goes, and he inevitably finds himself uh, at the altar that is consumed by God. He turns to Ahab, and he says, go up there and eat and drink, uh, for I hear a sound. You see, uh, Elijah recognized that once the worship of another God by the people of God, once that was proven to be false, that the rain would come. And so he's, he's preparing it by saying, uh, I hear a storm of brewing. King, go up there and eat, and you will see a heavy shower. So Ahab went up eat, to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He was in a posture of prayer, of earnest prayer, that he had not had yet to this date. And so he was broken and on the ground, Praying to God for the rain. He said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there was nothing. And he said, go back seven times. So Elijah has a servant there, and he says, I want you to go look towards the sea. Because he knows that the way the earth works, you know, there's going to be clouds coming from the sea, bringing the water for the rain. He says, go look towards the sea as he's praying, as he's praying. The servant comes back and says, there's no clouds. There's nothing. And Elijah continues to pray and says, go back again. And he goes back. And he comes back. There's nothing. Go back again. And he comes back. There's nothing. Continues to pray. Go back again. 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 Again, the seventh time the servant comes back. In verse 44, it came about at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand <laughs> is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. So we have here Elijah in a moment of crossroads. He just got down from like the most intense, awesome, I mean, I can't even imagine how, how pumped he was Whenever the Lord answers his prayer and immediately sends down fire, he goes and by command he takes out the regime that was pushing idolatry. He recognizes that this is the moment when Israel will repent and turn back. And so he, he, he prays, he says, God, three and a half years, bring the rain. And the third, fourth, fifth time that his servant came back and said, there's nothing you got to wonder what's going through his mind. And he says, go back. 
Go back. Go back. The faith of this man and his desire to pray and his recognition of the authority of God, the creator of all things, to faithfully follow through with what he was commanded to communicate to King Ahab three and a half years prior. Seven times, a number symbolizing completion. His faithfulness to pray and the power of a righteous man's prayer answered by God. At first with what appears to be a small little man-handed cloud (laughs) inevitably consumes the sky with dark clouds. He warns the king, hey, get your chariot down because you're going to need to get away. I don't want you stuck here. And you're going to see why in a second. It's pretty cool. But Elijah, his prayer is answered again. This part's kind of hard to believe. But verse 46, Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. This is a moment in Scripture where Elijah, the hand of God, was upon him, and he ran faster than the king's chariot and horses. He ran faster than chariots and horses to beat the king to the destination in which he was headed. And so Elijah, up this mountaintop, literally with Mount Carmel, but also up this spiritual high where he prays and God answers with fire, and he prays and God answers with floods, and he prays and he runs faster than horses and chariots, right? He's going through this moment. How can that man ever doubt ever again? (laughs) Right? And then chapter 19. Before I go to it, I want to tell you a quick story. I, I wholeheartedly believe in the power and the authority of prayer. Wholeheartedly. You cannot talk me out of it from what I've seen and from what I've heard. Like, you can't. And here's a cool example of something that I was not prepared (laughs) to walk into. So, uh, our staff, last year, we went on street evangelism. So we paired out, drove a bus to downtown, got out, and everyone just scattered trying to share Christ, okay? So we're walking around, and um, I go with a, a, a buddy, we go into a place, and we're kind of rejected. And I felt awkward, I felt bad, and did it with grace, and I like slowly bowed out, I said, thank you, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke. No, never mind. All right, so bowed out, said, man, I tried. Ah, oh, Lord, yeah, you know what? It's up to you. And uh, maybe it came on too strong. I don't know. But I uh, came back around, and we're walking, and we're praying, and we're talking. I said, hey, where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be led? And he goes, I think we should go by the water. So I start going by the water. And then we're going by the water. I said, well, who should we talk to? Who should we talk to? He's like, we see a guy coming. There's only one person there. I'm like, this is it. So we're walking, we're walking, and I know none of you would do this. None of you would do this. Um, but eh, about 10 yards, 5 yards, we're geared up. We're praying. We're walking. Eye contact. Boom. Pulls out his phone and starts talking on it. 
and walks right by us. I was like, all right, I guess that wasn't the guy that we had prayed for. And we knew there was a guy here. We knew it, right? So we saw him. There's the little hand cloud. So we're walking. Here it is. And he walks right by us like, okay, that wasn't him. That wasn't him. And we just keep walking. And uh, we look at the boats uh, um, as as we turn around. So we look at boats at the docks, and we see a man kind of limping towards his cart. He's struggling to get there. He's working on the boats. And uh, so this man and I, I'm like, okay, that's him, that's him, that's him, let's go do it. And uh, he was very nervous to do this, okay? Um, uh, and he hadn't done this like this, and he was a little hesitant, and it was a little intense. And he's like, so what? I was like, you've got to do it. I'm not doing this one. You've got to do it. I failed the last one. You've got to do it. And so uh, we're coming up, and um, I think I just like broke the ice. Hey, what's your name? This is my name. This is his name. Uh, what do you do? What's your story? And he started talking about he's a Marine. And this guy, he was a Marine. I was like, hey. And so I was like, what does that make you think? And so, and, and they talked about how he was hurt uh, by serving. And he was on disability. I was like, eh? Because he had gone through some stuff too. And so they just start talking. They start talking. They talk about God, talk about Christ, talk about all these things. And God had so clearly brought us to this moment where we had an intersection with this man uh, and we had a conversation with him about the Lord. And, uh, and so we started praying together. And uh, he said he had hurt his back, and, um, and he was limping and everything. And so I said, sir, would you mind? I believe in the power of healing prayer. Would you mind if I prayed over your back? And he said, no, 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 no. I was like, okay, that's okay. I don't have to. He goes, I want to keep my disability checks coming in. <laughs> and that's the very first time, right? Listen to the faith in that. I looked in and I was like, oh, praise God. And I was like, that's the first time I had ever been rejected because of the potential that prayer would work, right? I'd never seen that in my life, never heard it. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I got disability checks coming in, man. Are you kidding me? And so I, I, I was like, okay, that's, do me pray for continued pain? I'm sorry, I mean, it was amazing, and it was so cool. But the faith of this man and the acknowledgement of the power of prayer, it was cool. And I will never forget that. I will never forget that. And Elijah, time and time again, as he prostrated himself before the Lord, as he risked life and limb for the sake of God's glory, as he spoke with authority to people, saying, repent and turn, stop living these two lives, recognize that if he's God, he's worthy of being God in your life. The only one worthy of your worship. But if he's not, then what's the point? So let's put it to a test. He prayed audacious, crazy prayers. And God remained faithful time and time again. Jezebel, which we we talked about her a couple times, but she was married to Ahab the king, and she's part of this reason why all this corruption is occurring and and this this godlessness that's permeating through all of Israel. She was in uh, direct persecution of the the prophets of of God, and, uh, and she had gotten word. So we find that in verse 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done. And now he killed the prophets with the sword. 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of the one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid, and arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. We see Elijah's humanity here. And fear overwhelm him. And he flees the post that he had been called to prophesy towards. He was a prophet sent to a people at a specific time. And out of fear of his life, he runs from this post. And he wanders in the wilderness. And he comes to a point in his life where he said, I would rather die right now. Take my life. It's over. See, this is something that I just cannot, I I can't wrap my mind around. The same man who spoke and said, there will be no more rain, and it didn't rain. The same man who spoke and said, God, bring the fire, and it was brought. The same man who spoke and said, God, bring the rain, and it came. Was the same man who was so desperate to be done, he spoke and stated, take my life. If there is anyone that recognized the power of his prayers and the faithfulness of God to follow through on what was submitted to him, it was Elijah, and he spoke it. And he prayed, God, take me. There are things that you have prayed where the answer has been no. And whether you realize it now or you will down the road, praise God for the no. There are things that you have prayed that you really think that you want and you have heard nothing in response, there will come a time in your life when you go down and you look back and praise be to God for being silent in that season. Elijah was depressed, was so scared, that he prayed for God to kill him. The response of God is beautiful. 
So good. Verse 5, he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked and behold, at his head, or at his head, a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in strength off that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And I'm just going to read verse 9, and then we're going to talk about this. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is what I love. This is what I love. Elijah, suicidal, done with life, operating out of fear, operating in flesh, struggling. And what does God do in response to this man's prayer, he loves him. He sustains him. He provides for him through an angel. He doesn't correct him. He doesn't say, get up, what are you doing? He doesn't do that until verse 9. Previous verses, he cares for him. And he fathers this man who's operating not in the spirit, but in flesh who's not fixed on his calling, but he's been fixed on fear. He's putting his own life in this moment, which is contradictory to all of his others, he's putting his own life at a higher priority than what God had asked him to do. And he doesn't see that God is faithful through and through. And so he says, take my life. And God sends an angel. And he gives him bread. And he gives him water. And he gives him rest. And then he does it again. And he gives him water. And he gives him bread. And he gives him rest. And that little bit of food sustains this man for 40 days and 40 nights. A long period of time occurs before God comes to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? You've got stuff to do, and your job's not finished. And I love that about our Father. I love that the character of God is not always immediate correction, condemnation, or making you feel horrible about how you're operating in fear. He cares for you. He sustains you. And he carries you to a point to where when he speaks and the word of the Lord comes upon you, it penetrates your heart for repentance, for restoration, so you can surrender it to him and then operate in the freedom and the resurrected life that is a gift of his. The power of prayer is immeasurable. Whenever we submit something to the Lord, whenever we surrender, whenever we repent, whenever we, Romans 10, 9 it, whenever we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whenever we communicate and exhort him, whenever we lift him up and we submit our things to him in faith, Supernatural things occur. 
destinations go from hell to heaven. The kingdom of God is expanded not only in our hearts, but in our lives. The authority of the enemy is bound because of what he did on the cross, and he is reminded of how limited he truly is today. When we speak, and when we pray, and when we communicate, faith grows. Why? Because when I say, God, I want you to do this, we are saying, God, I am depending on you in this area of my life. Prayer is nothing but exhibiting faith towards the Creator. And when you pray big prayers for God to receive the glory, and when he follows through with those, what happens? He's glorified more, and the people that get to see it and experience it, their faith has grown as well. There is power in prayer. And prayer is something that we need to foster and focus on. It's something we need to grow in. And we're about to start yelling about this in our small group for young marriage, but, but it's more than just being saved. The prayer of salvation is a beautiful thing. And praying and submitting yourself for, to, to be reconciled with the Lord and receiving the Holy Spirit and being seen as righteous, like that is huge, but it shouldn't stop there. Otherwise, Elijah would have been taken up far beyond. Here's another crazy thing. Elijah prayed for God to take his life. God, kill me, kill me, kill me, take it, I'm done. He's one of the few people ever in the history of man that actually never dies. He's taken up to heaven before he dies, okay? So it's like he's asking God, take me, take me. And God's like, not only am I not, not going to take you, you've got a lot to do. I'm going to sustain you. Uh, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to father you. But you're never going to get that prayer answered ever. And that is so cool. And we're going to study that in a little bit. That's Second, second Kings, but chapter 2. But I just, I want us to recognize the authority and the impact that prayer can have, not only in our lives, not only in our worldviews, not only in our home, but also in eternity, because we are putting things in his hands. We are, we are, we are, we are surrendering these things to him. And I want to spend some time praying with you guys right now. And I just want you to operate in prayer the way that you are led to operate in prayer. If it's a prayer of salvation, then just do it. Just say, Lord, I'm, I, you can have it all. <laughs> you say that song. You can have it all, Lord, all of me. I'm done doing it my way. I'm done putting up the fight. I'm done wrestling and struggling. I'm done, Lord, you can have it all. If, it's, if, it's, if something specific is brought to your mind, and, and you ask, you say, Lord, what do you want me to give you? Like, what am I holding on? Just ask him straight up. He'll talk to you. Uh, just say, what do you want, Lord? Search my heart, God. And when he brings something up, you immediately do business with him. Just do it. Say, have this. I repent of this. Lord, I surrender this. God, I give you that relationship. Lord, I give you that coping mechanism. God, I give you that harboring unforgiveness. Lord, I give you that sin. I'm done with these things, God. 
Pray specifically for people. Say, Lord, who do you want me to pray for right here, right now? Bring someone to my mind, Holy Spirit, that you want me to pray for. Whether it be a child, a friend, a parent, or an absolute stranger, do it. And don't get out of that seat until you do. But we're going to do that together. So we won't do a worship song, but if you, Tony, if you can play keys, bud, because um, I, don't, I don't want anyone to feel awkward. Uh, but if you can just play, and I just want to give us time to just sit in prayer. Man, just sit in your seat. Shut your eyes. Open up your Bible. Do whatever you want to do. Well, open your eyes if you're opening up your Bible. But do whatever you want to do right now and spend some time just in prayer. Ask him. Speak to him. Allow him to bring things up. And then give it to him. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.